0: What's up mortals? This is Mortality Minded, where we explore life, death, and whatever's next through culture, science, personal growth, and more. I'm your host, Thomas Gaudio. Today I'm really excited to be speaking with Tara Sroka, who happens to be a good friend of mine, about her important work as an end-of-life planner. Especially her recent launch of online memorial services in the wake of the COVID 19 pandemic. We also talk about other ways technology is changing how we mourn and honor our dead, the downside of immortality, and whether bacteria can ever be reincarnated, assuming you believe in reincarnation. Tara and I originally spoke at the end of July, which I'm letting you know in case something here or there sounds a bit outdated. And as usual, I share my daily mortality mantras with you afterward, so stick around for that. See you on the other side. So I'm very excited today to be speaking with my friend and sometimes co-worker, (laughs) Tara Soroka, who is an end-of-life planner and runs Bringing Death Into Life, which is a great name. And that's the name of her business, where she runs her um, end-of-life planning out of. So, welcome.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: You're welcome. Great to see you. I don't don't think we've seen each other in person. It's been a minute.
1: It's been a bit, yeah. This pandemic has definitely changed a lot. Yeah. Social contact.
0: (laughs) Yes, it has. So pandemic, COVID, end of life. This is very much uh, all related at this point. So let's, but let's start at the beginning. I was thinking we could talk a little bit about, you know, for people who are not familiar with with what an end of life planner is. Um, So maybe you could talk a little bit about that, about what it means to be an end of life planner and, you know, what kind of services you offer. Sure.
1: I mean, I can give you my definition of what an end-of-life planner is. I feel like it may vary slightly if you talk to an estate attorney. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But an end-of-life planner is helping people get their affairs in order, um, which basically is planning for the end, Um, getting advanced care directives in place, thinking about their funerals, their memorials, helping them get their important documents together in one place, and even that covers digital legacy as well. Like we have so much on our computers, on our phones. So it kind of encompasses so much. So it's really just planning for the end. And people always think that the end is when you're older and it could be tomorrow. So it's really just thinking about it today and now, because you don't really know what's going to happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. I mean, um, yeah, we, yeah, we don't, we, we tend to think of is something like that as being for older people because yeah on average people usually don't die maybe until their 70s or 80s but you know as we've seen especially with COVID lately that's I mean there's no guarantee normally anyway (laughs) and plenty of people die unfortunately way younger than that but especially now with the whole pandemic happening we see that even more obviously that you know, at any moment, something like that could happen.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And you know, with this with this topic being end of life and death and dying, there's just gen- you know, you and I have talked about this plenty of times about how there's this general reluctance by pretty much everyone. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, it, it doesn't even matter that if you're older or younger, um, sick or not, people generally, and we're making a generalization, we're stereotyping somewhat, but. You know, on average, especially in the U.S. and other Western countries, that people are this is not a topic that people are really too <laughs> excited to talk about. And we're and we're trying to help make these changes, which have been changing in the last few years, to get people talking about this because it is so important to talk about all these things. And there's so many things to talk about under this subject that, in addition to sort of like the getting your arms around this this planning aspect, which can be a lot, so. How do you think about this in terms of getting people to talk about the end of life and death and dying when we have this societal mental block (laughs) about it?
1: Yeah, it's so interesting when people ask me what I do, I usually lead with I'm an end of life planner and either that opens a conversation and people are really intrigued and want to talk about it because they have, you know, who doesn't have an experience with death? Most people do. If you don't, you are very lucky, but there will be a time when you do. So usually people have things to share and they want to talk to somebody because like finally somebody has given them an opportunity to speak and to like have an open conversation about it. Or the flip side is they don't want to have anything to do with the conversation. They just kind of shut down and you can kind of see that and read people. So I kind of then gauge the conversation and then, you know, then I'm like, I'm also a graphic designer art director. (laughs) You can kind of shift the conversation. But most of the time people are very open and receptive to it. But I mean again, I have friends who know what I do and don't want to openly talk about it. They they support me, they support what I'm doing, but they don't want to have any involvement with it. So it's it's very interesting. But I think over time, slowly I'm whittling away some of their fears and anxiety about it just in general. Just I'm a down-to-earth approachable person, like I'm fun and they see that and they realize that the experience can be not as overwhelming and as scary Mm -hmm. so i'm slowly working on those friends (laughs) but to your point it is really hard sometimes people don't want to talk about it but i think we need to have these conversations now more than ever and i hate that phrase now more than ever (laughs) but it's true i mean people are passing away at an alarming rate Mm -hmm. and we need to be open to it and i think the more that we're open to it will be less fearful and we'll be able to live a little bit more passionately and openly.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, it's been proven, and well, I don't know about proven. It's been you know documented that um, a lot of people live more fuller, open lives, and with less fear if they have a better sense of their mortality and they think about it and they talk about it. Yep. And I have to say, for my my own self, I agree. You know, my mom passed away in two thousand thirteen, and that's what started this whole journey for me, and when she was diagnosed in 2012 with lung cancer it just it, i don't know shattered my life in a way like i had not been i had always had experiences with death and dying with family and i was thought i was open to it we had talked about it you know when i was younger and i knew about it and i was never shielded from that but when it's somebody really close to you like in your core family it totally just shatters your life when you know that someone is going to die, you know, relatively soon. And that whole experience just changed my life. And from there, and again, I was filled with so much fear, anxiety. We didn't talk about things as much as we should have and could have. And I think if we did, it it would have been better overall.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But again, I've learned a lot of lessons from that experience which kind of has brought me to today when I want to tell people, let's talk about it because it really does alleviate some of your fears and you can be more free and open to live your life without the constant nagging thought in your head about death. It's not like I'm going skydiving or cliff diving anytime (laughs) soon, but you know, it just, it makes me more conscious of my mortality and it makes me a little less afraid of it. Although, In hindsight, I recently had a little bit of a health scare and everything is fine. But when I had that week of waiting for results, I wasn't concerned about my mortality. I was concerned about those who I would leave behind if something happened. So it may help your fear about your mortality, but it could also heighten the thoughts about leaving those loved ones behind. So it's just kind of it was very interesting for me as an end of life planner to start thinking about my mortality. But then I saw it really from the flip side of if something happened and I left my family, that would be more devastating to me than me not being here. So I thought that was just so interesting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. In terms of you feel like you, they're going to lose you and all the help that you're giving them.
1: I mean, and I also think about it. Anything happened to like my immediate family again. I mean, again, I've gone through it once. It was horrible and I don't want to do it again, but just the idea of that is just so enormous sometimes to think about. You rely on obviously the people you love and have in your life. And it's hard to think about life without them. So it's just, Hmm. I was thinking about it from the opposite way. If I were to die, how would that leave a hole in other people's lives?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
1: And also the burden, you know, you think about right. the burden left behind and that's why planning is so important.
0: And that's especially important right now with everything happening with COVID and you're, and you're focusing, or at least now offering uh virtual memorial services for people because the, obviously this has become very important at this time when we need to distance from each other and funerals have been upended and grief has been upended because people cannot see their loved one. I mean, there are people dying alone in hospitals, which is a huge tragedy, maybe, you know, maybe surrounded by workers at the hospital, but certainly not able to see their loved ones if they have COVID or are in isolation. Um, so that's a, that's a very big problem that's happening right now. And I was speaking with someone recently and, and the idea that the last time you may see the person is when they go into the ambulance.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And then if they're in the hospital for X amount of time, then you die. And may, if you're lucky, maybe you'll have like a Skype chat or, or, or you know, a Zoom call with them that, that the nurses or doctors can facilitate. And then at least, you know, especially here, we're, we're both in New York City back in March and April, you know, the uh, funerals were, if not stopped outright, they were very limited in terms mm-hmm. of, you know, who could attend them. And how many people and keeping the social distance, physical distance. And actually I just checked out the New York city website before our call and they, um, they they can still happen, right. But you need to have physical distancing in place. And they, they, they're a lot of funeral homes are limiting the number of people who can attend. Mm -hmm. And so they're, and they're encouraging, you know, virtual services. So um, how did you go about, beginning to offer these, these services. And and I was making the assumption that it's all pandemic related in terms of you're offering it now, but maybe you can shed some more light on that.
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, it definitely came to light because of the pandemic. Back in March, a friend of mine who I actually studied thanatology with, she lost her father and a group of us came together to have a memorial. Oh, I just want
0: to quick, quickly define thanatology. So thanatology is the interdisciplinary study of death and dying and grief, which you and I both took a thanatology certificate program. So for people who are not familiar with that term, I just wanted to define that. Good
1: call. It's not a word that rolls off the tongue and that most people know. (laughs) um, Yeah. So a friend, her dad passed away from COVID and a group of us got together to have a memorial for him, but also as a way to comfort her just like you mentioned, people are dying and then people are grieving in isolation. They can't be there. They can't see the person. In some cases, I mean, we've we've heard stories about people FaceTiming and being able to be virtually there, which is amazing and heartbreaking at the same time, but it is a good alternative. So we came together to have a memorial service and it was really just an amazing experience for all of us involved as well as our friend. She definitely felt Uplifted she felt comforted. It was just a beautiful moment and I feel like it helped in the start of her healing possibly So from there we really saw I saw a need that this needs to happen For so many more people because obviously we know so many more people are dying and we can't grieve and have funerals and be in person but we need to have your grief witnessed we need to honor the people who are passing away. Um, right now, it doesn't feel tangible. All these people you read in the New York Times and all these numbers and these statistics and it's what is it, 130,000 people, if not more, and the numbers are growing, of these people who have passed away. And sometimes it's hard to wrap your brain around and it just seems so intangible. And I feel like sometimes for grief, you can't process it until something's tangible Mm. So in having a memorial service, you're honoring that person, but you also as the family and friends are having a safe space to mourn, to grieve, to celebrate, to come together, to witness each other, to help on your grief journey. Because otherwise you may have a lot of complicated grief eventually down the road. I feel like right now everything's complicated in COVID. Mm -hmm. I feel like everything is heightened. Everything is amplified stress and anxiety is higher than ever probably. I know at least for myself, I can understand that. Um, So think about grief, that is probably just even more amplified right now. So I really wanted to offer these services to help family to honor their loved ones because you've lived a life that deserves to be honored and not just swept under the rug or forgotten about or just a statistic, Mm -hmm. it really should be honored. And to just help families to grieve, to have a place to mourn and celebrate. And it doesn't have to be mournful. Like, it can be joyous, It can be a celebration. Mm-hmm. It can be anything you wanted or needed to be. So I'm, I'm really happy and honored to be able to bring these services to people. So I'm helping people plan them if they want to carry them out themselves. And I'm also helping them carry out them if they want help it just helps sometimes when you have that expert that you can rely upon, especially if you're grieving and mourning and you're just, I mean, personally, I was in a fog for so long. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to do things. So if you have somebody that you can rely on to do it and be like, here, just do this for me. I just have to show up at this time and do this. Then that would be so much easier. So it's, I mean, think of it as like a funeral director who's directing An online memorial so i have different options for people depending on what they want to do and what their comfort levels are
0: yeah that's great i mean it's so important right now for people to be able to like you said celebrate mourn um and just you know witness recognize that person who passed especially you know given the context that they might not have been been there with them when they died uh, because of all the, the dangers of covid so what would be like an example? You you, you kind of describe a few different things that you may do in this context of virtual, like either helping, sort of like maybe like a light touch guiding, versus uh, all the way up to maybe doing it, you know, f- fully or at least like managing the whole thing yourself. And what 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 are the, what would some of that some of those options look like?
1: Sure, I mean the planning option that I have is working with clients to figure out what type of service do they want. I mean that basically it could be anything from music. Do you have a theme? Who do you want to come? Is there any kind of slideshow graphics? What's the tone? Um are there readings? You know things like that that you would have at a normal memorial service, and we would plan that. Mm-hmm. We would get it together in a document and you would have access to all that. I mean again, there would be some thinking from like the client's point of view or the customer. And then you know I would obviously give suggestions and thoughts based on the personality of the person who's passed away. And just overall guidance in that regard. And then they have the option if they want, then for me to carry it out. So that would be having the technical Zoom, you know, or whatever platform. I mean, right now I'm offering it on Zoom. So I feel like just having that technical guidance is just so helpful. There's so much now with Zoom. Um, just having people <laughs> be able to be muted and having to orchestrate the whole thing, yeah. I feel like is is a lot of work, especially, like I said, if you're grieving and you're trying to orchestrate everything that's happening, trying to be the facilitator. I mean, if you've been on a Zoom call in the last four months, and many people have, mm-hmm. it's very difficult when you're not sure who's supposed to speak. You speak over each other. Mm-hmm. It's it's challenging. It, mm-hmm. it adds a level of stress. And if you're there for memorial service and there is no order and it's kind of all over the place, I feel like that's not going to add to the to the feeling that you want of comfort to honor this person and to help you in this process. Mm-hmm. So I would really act as a facilitator, um, a tech guide, and, you know, really help planning of the service of the day of on Zoom or whatever platform we move into the future. Mm-hmm. So it's really just, you know, helping them implement it and carry it out.
0: Yeah. And it it's it's such a smart approach because, you know, even though there is this progressive wing of the funeral industry that's that's really at the f- the forefront of, of a lot of change that's happening right now, but I think it's still pretty small. So there's you know funeral the funeral industries generally funeral homes are like more traditional and they're slower to adopt change. So by you offering this, it's it's a, it's there's such a huge need for that right now, and you know it gives them a way to maybe accelerate their 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 movement into the 21st century in a way that they would not maybe not have, you know, done at all or been a lot slower to adopt.
1: I I agree. And I think right now with what's going on in the world, I think they have to accelerate and adapt and pivot and do other things because what they have to offer, which was great before COVID now is not complete. I feel like there's a lot that they could offer if they've expanded their thoughts and started thinking a little bit differently. And I think we've started to see that in different funeral homes and just even with different services out there over the last couple of years and even more so now getting a little bit more traction. There's, you know, other people who are doing online memorials or lots of different, you know, sites and things that are doing more in the end-of-life space. So I feel like as time progresses and with all these changes with COVID, we're going to see a lot more changes. Mm -hmm. which, you know, it's horrible that it took this pandemic for that to happen. But I think we're, I mean, that's one of the silver linings and the positives from it. We're seeing a lot more changes in the end of life space.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I see legacy websites, you know, social media, people's profiles, you know, even Facebook within the last couple of years, right. They had, they offered some kind of way for people to hand off their account if they end up dying.
1: Yeah, Facebook does have a designation for legacy for memorialization. You can designate a person. Um, some other ones may, I'm think over time they're going to probably be doing that and yeah. I think there's going to be more need for it. So yeah, I mean, I definitely help people think about the digital aspect of it too because we had touched on it before. It it's growing. It's enormous. I think about all the the apps, the passwords, the online accounts, everything you have, it just grows every day when you sign up for a new account. Yeah. You just think about your digital presence and say if something happens to you, what happens to all of that? And you may not care, but some of your financial records and bank accounts are tied to that. You have auto pays, like things you just don't think about that you need to. Think about a little bit, you know, as time okay. goes by. You need to think about it more often. You need to think about it more.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've got my password list right here. <laughs> it's like oh pa- pages long it's like I, I and it's i need to update it because that it's falling apart look the pages are falling apart like i'm adding all different
1: you need a password manager thomas I,
0: I do i do need a password manager but i like it because it's old school i have it saved in a thumb i have all the the files saved in a thumb drive not on my like laptop in case it gets hacked into and i have this separate file i know it's got it's a little bit old school in a way but
1: well, at least you have it, but the key is you definitely need to let somebody know. So now you've let me know. So now <laughs> I know in case it's on a thumb drop.
0: Right. Where is the jump dive, uh, thumb yeah, drive? Yeah, that, <laughs> that is the key. Um, so technology, you know, we, we we talked a little bit about this, about like how just things are changing generally. And like there were these video games where there were memorials happening, which I thought was so interesting. Uh, one it's called um what is it called it's a, a animal animal crossing mm-hmm. new horizons which is i had to look this up because i didn't i saw the article about it and i was like i had no idea what what it was it's a, a life simulation game apparently mm-hmm. for a for nintendo switch which i don't i don't even know what the hell nintendo switch is I, I know it's a video game unit i guess i'm like so out of loop with that stuff and final fantasy which is an online sci-fi fantasy role-playing game
1: I'm not familiar with that but I'm familiar with Animal Crossing. I have a friend who plays it oh, really? and we were, we were chatting about this and this article that was written about people who were having memorials online in the games and I thought it was just so fascinating and it also goes back to the memorial service and you you're providing it in a platform that you are comfortable with if a person was a gamer and that's how you knew people it makes sense. Like I just thought it was so ingenious and it was just a wonderful idea. And when I mentioned it to my friend, who's a big gamer, she was just like, yeah, she's like, even in my virtual world, or again, I don't know the language, the virtual world on her island, she has like a a garden and a patch of grass that's dedicated to her father that passed away. So I thought it was just so interesting that people are doing tributes to honor their loved ones within these games. Because if it's in a virtual world and you're setting it up, it, it makes sense you want to have a place where you can go that's peaceful for you and an, and a place to memorialize and honor them. So I thought it was just so fascinating. I think we're going to start seeing that more and more in different different venues and different avenues that we haven't even thought of. Like we're not gamers, so we wouldn't really have thought about right. that, but it yeah. makes total sense.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you're more old school or traditional, like you may look at these things as being like disrespectful or or flippant or something, but it, it's not at all. It's, it makes perfect sense with, you know, who you are and the and the communities that you're a part of and, and people, you know, and people are products of their time too. It's like, you know, what, what's acceptable today may not have been acceptable in the past. And, you know, in the future, there's going to be something else. Yeah. You know, how things evolve. So it's really just about making it work for you, whatever that means.
1: Agreed. And I I love that there's creativity to it. I mean, if you're a gamer or a creative person like that, I mean, that's, that makes sense. You would want to have that. I think you have to adapt. And to your point where some people may not understand that, but everything's not for everybody. (laughs) Um, There's something for everyone and it's just, it's different. So I think you need to respect other people's thoughts, opinions and what they do. And some occasions can be joyous. Some can be somber. Right. It all varies, and we should all respect what people choose to make their final wishes and celebrations be.
0: Yeah, I mean, so, yeah. So when you and I were talking, I, I, I was trying to think of like other things that were directions it can go. Like, oh, maybe the one day they'll be live streaming at cremations or at burial at you know graveside at at the, at the cemetery or TikTok videos being made at funerals, and it's all. That sounds kind of crazy and disrespectful in a way, but. You know, well, I think...
1: live, stream, live streaming has been happening. I mean, I know some funeral directors who were live streaming specifically to family, like via password protected rooms, not open to anybody, just specifically to family.
0: Like during the burials or um, uh, cremations?
1: Uh, not cremations. I mean, I, I read some articles that they were live streaming during the burial in the cemetery. Oh, so wow. they could be there and yeah. be part of that moment. Yeah. So they were capturing it either by recording or live streaming specifically to certain family members. Again, you want to make sure that past, things are password protected, not everyone can join, not have anybody Zoom bomb things. You want to make sure <laughs> right. things are protected, but you can do that. And I have seen that in some cases uh, interesting. where people couldn't go in the beginning of COVID before some restrictions were lifted in New York State, Yeah, that they couldn't be there for that moment of internment in the cemetery.
0: Right. Oh, that's great. That's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, like my grandmother died last year, she was 102 and I-, I wanted to have a home funeral for her, which is like a whole nother conversation about bringing things back like old school, the way things used to be, you know, back in the 1800s and prior, this, this kind of slowly rising movement. But my grandmother was like so ahead of her time and so just joyous and, 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 and all about trying new things that, you know, if, the, if you were making a TikTok video at her funeral. She probably would have loved that, you know. it Would have been something that she enjoyed. So it's like people, yeah. Certainly, these things can be very somber and mournful. But you know, we're seeing more the, this idea of like celebration, or maybe like it's like a, a kind of resurgence or, or adaptation of the Irish wake perspective of like celebrating a person's life and being joyful. And um so, yeah, there is no, there are no rules essentially, right? I mean, that's kind of the takeaway, I think.
1: I think a lot of people have in their head that there are rules. You have to follow a certain, you know, dress code. It has to be a certain mood and setting because that's what we've done for hundreds of years. And I feel like we've been conditioned into a lot of it,
2: mm-hmm. but
1: that really doesn't have to be the case. It can be, it can be fun. You can wear bright colors. You can laugh. You can share stories. It can be a party. It, you know, I, I, I encourage people to make it more of a party and a celebration. Yes, it's sad, but you also want to celebrate the life that they've led. And a lot of times the people that have passed away would not have wanted you to be sad as well. Mm -hmm. A lot of them have, you know, a lot of people have had long suffering illnesses and chronic problems. So I'm sure that they would not want you to be sad so much. (laughs) I mean, it can be, it can be a joyous and unique
0: experience. So what about people who don't want, you know, memorials? Is that, you think that's, I mean, in the idea of like anything goes and, and whatever you want is okay. Um, is there any kind of downside to that you think, or is it all whatever you want is fine? If you're just going to want to skip it, either maybe that's like just not for you, or maybe like you might even be, be there being be concerns about affording, being able to afford a service, you know, what are your thoughts on that?
1: I think a matter of affordability, you can plan and do your own service for free. And that doesn't cost anything. Mm. So if you wanted to do one, you can do one and cost shouldn't be an issue. But as you know, and I'm not a grief therapist, I'm not a counselor. So this is just my opinion. Mm -hmm. I think for people who say they don't need one or they don't want one, what's the point? I think if you don't have your grief witnessed, you're going to have a harder time processing the experience. Mm think about now we are so isolated we don't see many people if we do it's on zoom maybe outside occasionally from a distance mm-hmm. we are very isolated and i feel like that's starting to affect our our brain our processing just normal relationships and everything we do i mean i know personally i don't go out very much i'm in my apartment with my husband and i don't interact with a lot of people and after a while it starts to get to you yeah so if I had to layer on top of that grief. I think that would be much more amplified. So I think coming together with people, friends and family to, I mean, it doesn't have to be elaborate. It doesn't have to have music. It doesn't have to have readings. It doesn't have to have anything crazy. It could just be coming together to share stories or even just to share your grief, like share how you're feeling with each other. It doesn't even have to be called a memorial service. I think it's just really important to be able to, to have your grief witness, to talk about it, to really communicate, to be there for each other. And even if it's just being supportive and just having an open dialogue and you don't call it a memorial, I think that is fine. I think, I think it's needed though. Because if we don't have that, five months from now, six months, a year, time is gonna go by and we may not be dealing with what we could have been dealing with sooner. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just going to cause a lot more problems and ripple effect that you may not even be aware of. Maybe yeah. you're aware of it, maybe you're not. Mm. But I think the sooner you can kind of tackle that, the better.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that you brought up a really good point about, you know, it can be as simple as as, as you want. It doesn't have to be elaborate. To have something though to, to honor that person, to recognize them and recognize your own loss it is important. Or, you know, but I, you know, I guess, again, if it's, if it's really something that you don't. Comfortable with, that's one thing. But yeah, maybe there is some unintended consequences you might not be realizing by, by avoiding that or by not doing it.
1: Yeah. I think when we, we put labels on things that it's a memorial, it's a funeral, you think in your brain, it has to be this one way. Sometimes we trick our brain and we can't adapt. So maybe you just say, hey, this is going to be a happy hour, but we're going to dedicate this happy hour to Uncle Fred. And people are going to get on zoom. They're going to have a drink and they're going to toast and they're just going to say one memory about uncle Fred Mm -hmm. and just keep it simple. And it's it's a happy hour in his honor. It's not a memorial because that in your mind conjures what you think a memorial should be. So I think if we can trick our brains, just even that way, just to shift a little bit different, but to, to do something, to, to have a specific time to honor that person, I think is really key and really important.
0: Yeah. I like that. I like that idea. I'm going to dedicate this egg salad sandwich I'm having for lunch to Uncle Fred.
1: (laughs) I think anything can kind of be a memorial if you take a moment just to reflect and honor that person, say something out loud, light a candle, make a nice, you know, presentation of your egg salad sandwich, you know? (laughs) So I think anything has a a possibility of being, you know, in service and in gratitude to the person you lost if you just have a meaningful moment with it.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, Now I
1: want egg salad.
0: I don't even like egg salad sandwich. I love yeah. eggs. I eat eggs almost every day. I, I I don't even, can't even remember the last time I had an egg salad sandwich.
1: Oh, I had one the other day. It was great.
0: Really? Yeah. Maybe I need to think, revisit that again. <laughs> All right. So maybe one more question, then we can wrap it up. This is something that um, I'm curious about. If immortality were an option, would you choose it? And why or why not?
1: no i definitely don't want to live forever i think i have a time and place on this earth and whatever that is is what's meant to be i'm a big believer in reincarnation that's just me personally i believe in the afterlife i believe i have a job to do in another time and place so no i would definitely i would definitely say no i wouldn't want to see loved ones come and go and have to endure that and know that i would be here forever I think that would just be too much suffering. Hmm. And who wants to live forever? I just, I, I can't. I had <laughs> enough to live sometime week to week. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a great answer. So you do believe in reincarnation?
1: I do. And I have to say, I believed it at a very early age. I remember writing a high school paper on reincarnation. And that's not normal <laughs> for most people. I was definitely special at an early age. So yeah, I think I think there was something to it and I think there was a reason. And I think when you're younger, you tap into these things better because you have less of a filter, you have less knowledge of the world, you have less negative energy, you have a lot of more openness and joyfulness and playfulness as a child. And even being in high school, that was probably a little bit later. But I feel like there was a reason I wrote the paper, I believed it because I feel like there is definitely something that has happened and Mm. has happened numerous times. So yeah, I definitely am a big believer in reincarnation. I feel like there's a lot of things that happen in my life. Deja vu. There's a lot of things unexplained. There's certain things that I gravitate to people. I gravitate towards that. I feel like I've known forever and I've just met. And I think there's lots of reasons for those things. And I think that has a lot to do with past lives that we've shared
0: together. Mm. So interesting does it have to be a person in terms of reincarnation like maybe sometimes you know when i when i I think of reincarnation i think of either hinduism or buddhism and or when i hear people talking about it you think of you hear people talk about being people in previous lives what about animals or or Plants or insects or bacteria. Does that count? Can you, could I have been a bacteria in a previous life and then been Thomas Gaudio now?
1: Maybe. I don't know. Do you resonate with bacteria, Thomas? (laughs) Do you feel akin to it?
0: I feel kind of kinship with the viruses. Maybe I was a virus. Well, they're technically not alive. I don't know.
1: You know, I don't, I don't know. I can't really answer that. I mean, I think. I don't know about inanimate objects, but I think anything that's living and breathing like uh, an animal, a pet, a bug, I mean, it's all its all possible. It's all energy. Why not? I mean, who, who am I to say that that's not possible? I'm not entirely sure. I don't like bugs, so I don't think I've been a bug in my past life. Or I was really not a good person that treated bugs badly and maybe I have some issues to work out. I don't know. I'm not sure. I can't really honestly answer that.
0: Yeah, I, I've uh, I've had some weird feeling lately. Sometimes in the last year or so, that like I, I see a bug in my bathroom, and like I think about killing it. Right? Because we, we we all we automatically kill bugs. We don't think twice about killing bugs. We, it's the only—it's the only thing that's really acceptable to murder. It's like m- insect murder is like acceptable and expected. Really, there's a whole there's a whole industry dedicated, right? Exterminators like killing insects. But it's the only thing like we don't have this with like mentality with almost anything else. It's like we kill, you know, we murder blatantly murder insects all the time. Why, why do we do that? Because they're so different than us. They're so—they're tiny. They're—they they are so they are tiny they are they can not defend themselves very well. They're so small. They're so weird-looking, alien-like. They're so different from us. It's like yeah, we we're totally fine with like slaughtering insects. But and because they're in like in, invading our our space too.
1: Well, I think rodents too. I think those they fall in the same bucket. So, True, yeah. but it is interesting. You don't think about the mortality of insects or rodents and think about that. No,
0: no, because they're bothering us, so, and and they're different than us. They're they're so different than us. If like spiders were the size of dogs, we probably wouldn't be. We we have a lot more problems in life, I guess, but,
1: yeah, but to some people spiders are the size of dogs in their minds. Like size is irrelevant sometimes when you see a spider.
0: True, that's a good point. That's a very good point. It's all
1: perception, I guess, and fear based.
0: It is. And then when I, I've been having these moments where I'm like, "What if that's me? What if what if I was a bug in a previous life? And what if I'm what if I'm time traveling and I'm visiting myself right now?" And then I kill the bug i'm like killing some version of myself i'm like altering my fate
1: wow <laughs> that, that's a lot that's like a paradox man that's like a paradox and a paradox <laughs> but i don't think it would be well i guess it could be your past self it might be more you, yeah i don't know i don't know that's mind blowing
0: yeah time travel and reincarnation combined yeah i don't know i don't
1: know i don't know I'm equipped for this. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: what do what do you think you were in a previous life? Do you think you were a man? Were you a woman? Were you a man? Were you like rich or?
1: I've done several past life regressions, and again, that is all. You need to take those with a grain of salt. They may not be exactly accurate, but you feel I feel like you experienced something that you can learn from now, and it could be a past life. But I, mean, I feel like we've had numerous past lives. I feel like I've been both man, woman, child, young, like it varies. I
2: think, Hmm.
1: I mean, I don't put a limit on it. It was like, oh, it was only one life. I feel like there's been numerous occasions, you know, I feel, I feel like when I was younger, I always felt like an old soul. And I think I've lived a lot longer than I have. So I think there's been many more experiences that I haven't even uncovered or even gotten to like the surface of.
0: Interesting. So you might've been a ladybug or a mushroom or something in the previous life.
1: (laughs) It's possible. I'd like both of them. So sure.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Awesome. Well, I think we're about done. So uh, I just want to thank you for, for coming on. I had a blast talking to you as always.
1: Yes. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah. And we'll talk again soon. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Tara Sroka. If you want to learn more about her and her work as an end-of-life planner, you can find her on bringingdeathintolife.com and at bringingdeathintolife on Instagram and Facebook. I'll include links in the show notes. Now I want to take some time to share my daily mortality mantras with you. I developed the first one a few years ago. It goes like this. I will die, and I could become severely ill and or disabled. One or more of these state changes could happen or start happening right now, decades from now, or at any moment in between. So I will make the most of whatever time I have left while I'm still healthy and breathing. The second one is a saying in Italian from my grandmother, who died in 2019 at the age of 102 she would say it to me and other members of my family whenever we needed to hear it most. And it's something I repeated back to her over and over again, just a few hours before she died, as potential travel advice, just in case she was going somewhere. It goes like this. Ordina al tuo destino di essere bello e tale sarà. It means command your destiny to be beautiful, and it will be. I say both of them to myself every day, usually after the roughly 30 to 60 second ice-cold shower I take each morning, shortly after getting out of bed to help wake my groggy ass up and start the day off right. I hope these matches help you as much as they help me. All right, that's a wrap for now. Join me in exploring mortality and everything that follows from it by subscribing to Mortality Minded wherever you get your podcasts you can also find episodes and other content on mortalityminded.com if social media is your thing I'm at mortalityminded on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter or if you want to kick it old school email me through connect at mortalityminded.com let me know what you think of this episode and others by rating and or commenting on them Your feedback is much appreciated and goes a long way in helping make the show better for everyone involved, you, the guests, and me alike. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, stay mortality-minded.